to the Infinite Attraction Podcast, where we uncover, rediscover, and riff on Miami tech culture with a human-centric take on the builder community. We are your boots on the ground to help you navigate all that's happening in the magic city. We dive into art, music, business, wellness, fitness, psychedelics, and any exploration into living well. I'm Elizabeth Irizarry. And I'm really happy you're back. Me too. It's so strange to be back here. It feels like a month. I know. I know. It was way more stressful to to like you know keep the conversation going when it was like usually with, the, with you. I don't have to think about it and like you know you'll you'll jump in, but then I'm like it's just all me, all me. You got to keep them going. They're just sitting there looking at me like, <laughs> what do we talk about now, Chris? <laughs> I'm really proud of you. You did fantastic. Thanks. It is easier to have a second person because yeah. having you, it's like, okay, fill in for when I mess up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron, yeah, you so, go now. I don't know what to say. Yeah, so thank you for you know getting us back on and, and continuing the show. It's exciting. And today we have Anya Freeman and Kabir Parker. Mm-hmm. So we're going to dive into that in a little bit. But before we do, you know, I've been itching to talk about a little bit you know, what's happening with mm-hmm. Cuba. I wasn't here last week and I'm kind of glad. I think that my, my, I was sick. So I think my body was kind of telling me I needed to rest. Mm-hmm. And then I went through just a couple of days of decompressing and trying to understand what was happening in my country with my family, you know, SOS Cuba, what exactly happened July 11th. And so the past couple of days, you know, week have been about, just awareness, I think, and using my voice to share stories, educate people. And I think at first when it happened, I was kind of in shock. And immediately the what the one thing I want to mention is like, I never thought I'm 30 years old in what, two months or so. Mm-hmm. I never thought that I would actually see this happen, which is insane. Um, so what did happen on, on the 11th? Well, so the Cubans took the street. And people were shouting libertad, which is freedom. Mm -hmm. And they were protesting. Why that is so major? Because that happens all the time here in the U.S. It's because in Cuba that never happens. People live in constant fear. So what do you think was the catalyst? Like what really sent it out? Like what was the George Floyd of of Cuba? Well, people were fed up. Uh, What's happened lately is that the economy has like just tanked even further. And there's a shortage of food. There is, you know, no medicine, more power outages that continue just to just get worse. And COVID cases have been rising. And because there is no medicine and there's no resources, people are just getting sick. They are dying and they are starving. Months before like this, you know, just occurred, my aunt just left Cuba to move to Spain and she left her son behind my cousin mm-hmm. um and his her granddaughter and more family my uncle and other people and she left because she was hard working the hardest working person you know that i know and she works in a market where she sells beans and she sells also flowers and she makes arrangements and she said i can't find food and we've been waiting hours we've been waking up for you know early and, and making lines so that long lines so that we can get something rations of anything and there's nothing mm-hmm. so out of just desperation and finally you know working you have no idea how long it took to get us to you know help her get there um you know we were able to put some money down and help her get 
pay for the flight, do all of that. And, you know, her and her husband made it to Spain because he had been traveling back and forth. And so she's there now, which was great. And talking to her about, can you imagine if you were there right now during all of this? And she's like, I, I just can't. And my son is there. And she got out like kind of in the nick of time or just after? Just before, before all of this. This was only like a few months ago. Um, This is very recent, but it's still during the high COVID cases. And just it was just a very lucky thing that happened. Um, You know, she's for a while. She was a month in in Spain and complaining and, and hated it. And but at the same time, she's like, I can't go back. There's no option. Even Mm -hmm. if I don't like this, I have to make it work. It's just not your country, you know? It's not where you've lived all your life. She's not young. She's older. You know, she's in her 50s. So mm-hmm. it's just you have to make it work. And I think about all that, and then I think about my family. What happened was for days, the people who had family in Cuba that live here had no way of communicating with her family. Is that because of the kind of lo- the lockdown on the on the communications or something? Yeah, like so they, they took away the internet, right? Yeah, so I just spoke with my cousin only last week, and he told me that social media was not working; it was down, and that their power outages were getting worse. So what was happening? was that they weren't able to charge their phones. Mm. So some of them didn't know what was happening in la otras provincias. And so they weren't able to see, okay, like, it's getting worse out there. I can't leave my house. So, and we didn't know how to communicate with them. So we were going on social media because most of them have Facebook. So that, that's how they message you through Facebook Messenger. But then that wasn't working because for some reason Facebook was down and all the socials were down. For some reason. Right. For some reason, as they say, but we all know what it is. <laughs> the reason um, is the revolution will not be televised. How do you say that in Spanish? That'd be a beautiful, <laughs> that'd be a good shirt. Exactly. So, you know, what people keep, it's it's upsetting that people keep like blaming the embargo and, and putting this on COVID. And no, why are people finally out on the streets? Because they're tired. They're tired and they just are fed up. They're tired of having to keep their mouths shut in fear of, of what? G- going to jail, their shit t- being taken away from them. At this point, people are saying, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. So they're willing to be out there getting COVID on the streets, risking their lives, being taken, being like literally apuñalazos, like being hit with their with bats and just sticks and shit just to go out there and shout freedom. Patria y libertad. So what do you think the solution is there? A <laughs> solution? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not asking there, you to literally solve Cuba's problems for them. But there like, is no solution, but the thing that I keep getting asked is what can we do here? And all you can do here is amplify the voices of the people that can't amplify their voices. You know, everywhere else in the world, people can try to communicate for the most part, not everywhere. For the, I know that that's not a fair, you know example but for the most part in cuba people can't even get their their voice out they can't say you can't share a story on anywhere on any of the socials without getting in trouble it gets back to you so families don't want to like share the communication of these videos because they're worried that they're going to come after their families because they are going into their homes and taking them away so i'm afraid that i have young cousins that they start sending me all these messages i'm like don't send messages here we'll communicate through like what's happened you know like this is how we're going to talk and so we're even afraid to talk to our family so all we can do from here is amplify their voices of those who are sharing and even if you have to cover their names but like share the stories people don't believe what's actually happening you know they're starving. They can't leave their homes. They can't go back to work. 
my cousin works at a bank and he's been trying to go back to the bank and and go back and forth and go back and forth. But at any moment, if things get worse, he's got to stay at home. What happens? The little bit of money that they make that can't afford to pay for anything is gone. And there's no food to buy anyway. And there's no food. And right now, if we send them, we you know, we send minutos like money to like charge their phone so that we can actually call them. If you send the money, you don't know if it arrives. So you paid for that and it didn't arrive. And then if it did arrive, sometimes they, it doesn't work. And so they can't use the minutes. Or you put the money in and it gets sent back to you. So right now we're just like a lot of desperate people waiting for their families. I have a sister who has, you know, she's my half sister. So she has her mom there and her sister who's a teenager. Yeah. And her grandmother. I mean, if you had your parents there, wouldn't you be freaking out? Yeah. You, you don't know if they're okay. One day they can be, the next day they they won't be. And you won't have any way to, it's hard to communicate right now. It's scary, but we, you know, when I spoke with my family and the young, you know, the young family members, they're happy this is happening. Isn't that insane? Yeah. They well, have, because this is hope. This is hope for them to say, hopefully something comes of this. It's got to get worse before it gets better. We knew that. Yeah. So that's really, you know, that's as far as I think I want to have this conversation because I can go deeper. But all I can say is that I ha- we have a voice. I have a voice and I'm using this platform that I'm beyond grateful to have and that you allow me to share this space too. And I use my own platform and my Twitter, my Instagram. I try to just amplify the voices, educate people who don't understand what's really going on. And, you know, the same goes for all these other countries that are going through similar issues. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe this is it. You know, I mean, Batista had to get, you know, removed at one point, And, you know, maybe this current regime, who I don't even know who's running the country, maybe this is it. Maybe we're, maybe we're, maybe we're here. It was, was Batista removed in 52 or something, I, th- I want to say. And, yeah. and uh, maybe. It's been 62 years these people have been dealing with this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's shocking that, like, this is happening, that you can't say anything because you can get in trouble and you're afraid of sharing a photo. We're 2021. It's insane. Well, speaking of dictators, uh, I think Jeff Bezos just landed back on the ground uh, in our U.S. space race uh, of of billionaire privateers. Uh, you, you got a chance to watch that, right? I that missed was, it. Honestly, I think I needed something positive, and I haven't really felt like there has been such positive news in the past couple few weeks, and, and wa- I watched it. It was amazing. It was incredible. I am in shock that I got to see this and that I got to experience this. I feel like the future is now. Like, it's finally here. And we just saw civilians go to space. I guess the civilian part. But I was way more excited to watch them, like, you know, send astronauts to the space station than, like, you know, take an airplane ride. But Uh, the fact that civilians made it to space goes to show we're we're so much further along now. And it's it's about the interest in space, too. Let me have it. It was pretty cool watching it. I didn't care what was Bezos. I was just like, let's see this thing go up and not explode. (laughs) I was hoping for an O-ring malfunction, to tell you the truth. But uh, I don't want to... Uh, uh, but luckily in this country, we're allowed to talk shit about our dictators, which is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And in other news, really quickly, I do want to bring this up. Uh, I have just started Nova Club with Kevin Clausen and, and Reginald. I can never say your last name, Reggie. Don't kill me. But um, Reggie. Yeah. 
Legier. Oh, I said it. Yes. So Legier. Nova is a public speaking and communication club that's launching in Miami. Our first like group, group one, starts in August. Um, whether you want to get rid of your social anxiety or prepare to give the world, you know, a class key, uh, keynote, Nova can help. Uh, so join us. Uh, we have a wait list. It's you can sign up on NovaClubMiami.com. We already have fifty plus people on a wait list, so we're really excited. yeah. Thanks for getting me to the the second tier. Uh, so. oh, make, we, it was random, so no favorites. Okay. Come right, on, good, we good. gotta do it fair. I was like the second. I, I'm, allowed, I'm invited to the second one. Oh, we just wanted to do it fair. But whatever. Anyway. I so get it. We're, today, I'll show myself the door. Yeah. So let's 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 welcome our guest today. So today on the show, we're excited to have Anya Freeman. Is she's a founder and CEO of the Addition Company. When she's not playing with robots, Anya can be found playing beach volleyball. We also have Kabir Parker, founder of Sea Green Regeneration, passionate free diver and sustainable spear fisherman. Can't wait to hear about this. You're gonna have to tell me more about this. And 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 member of the newest cohort of the Seaworthy Collective, the inaugural, the maiden voyage of the Seaworthy Collective. And you and you guys just met today, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did. Nice, bringing people together. It's getting along so far. I know, right? Yeah, it's it's exciting. So, uh, Kabir, why don't you go first? Why don't you tell us what brought you here and uh, what you're getting into? Sounds good, guys. I um, I was actually born in Connecticut, but raised in New Delhi, India. And then I just graduated last year from the University of Miami, where I studied marine science and microbiology, minor in chemistry. And growing up along the Indian Ocean, I was I had the most amazing opportunity to free dive, which is breath hole diving, mm-hmm. some of the most pristine coral reefs on Earth. And as I would get older, I noticed that I noticed the destruction. I noticed that the health of the reef was going down. I noticed more coral bleaching, more dead coral, a lot less fish. And that's when I realized I needed to I needed to dedicate my life to ocean regeneration and ocean sustainability. So that's what I do today. And so my thing now is seaweed. And seaweed is marine plants that can quite literally sequester carbon dioxide and reverse global warming. You're the seaweed guy we've been mm-hmm. hearing about. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. Daniel was telling us, and I tried to get in the weeds, uh, and he's like, and, and Daniel, you know, he's like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm part of the Seaworthy Collective. We're here empowering other people to do this thing, so maybe we can, you know, get the seaweed guy on. And look here, just a couple weeks later, seaweed guy. There what up, go. seaweed guy? <laughs> What's up? Guys? I can't wait to talk about this, Anya. Why don't we go uh, hear a little from you? Yeah, sure. So I'm originally from Ukraine, and I grew up in Israel, and then my family immigrated to the U.S. Uh, when I was in high school, and I ended up in Miami 10 years ago. And of all the places I've lived, Miami just is just like home, because none of us are really from here. Mm-hmm. And it's just open, no, it's opened its arms to me. So I'm a very big fan of the city, and one of the greatest challenges, really, of in the history of Miami is rising sea levels. So at this rate, you know, by 2100, Miami will be completely underwater. But even before that, in 10 years, we have six inches of uh, rising sea levels. By 2040, it's two feet and daily flooding. So I was really just trying to think how we can address this problem and look at it from a new perspective. So we are applying a convergence of technologies. So we're doing 3D printing, material sciences, and some sensor tech to build living seawalls. Uh, to uh, to hold back the water and also create something that's great for biodiversity and the quality of water in our city. Anya, but I see here on your bio that you worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office. How? Wh- what? 
wait, how did you go from that to this? Well, it's the immigrant dream. I think Kabir can relate (laughs) with Russian and Indian parents. So I had to become a lawyer. My brother had to become a doctor. And we both have been, yeah, we both have kind of. I know it all too well. (laughs) So first we made our parents happy. And then we started doing, you know, kind of what we loved. Nice. Yeah, yeah, and we have both actually were corrupted by Peter Diamandis. I don't know if you follow him. He's this incredible futurist. He has Singularity University. So, like, my brother was on his pre-med. He was going to be a doctor, and then he went to this Peter Diamandis event, got super into coding, and now he does. He's in Harvard doing, like, a cancer research, and my mom is disappointed because he, now he's no longer going to be a doctor. Not the doctor. <laughs> both like, of her kids have now changed their dreams. Yeah, I'm like, Mom, but he's going to Harvard, you know? But we did it for you first. Now we're doing it for us. Exactly. Yeah, so. being a researcher for that, I mean, I think that still that's qualifies. Still Even though you're not treating patients as an MD, no. you're still enabling the doctors to do their job. No, they're like literally curing cancer. It's a, I think it's a little bit more, you know, but a bigger impact than being a, a being even being a doctor. But that is the most immigrant parent thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and now uh, you're now you are spending your time with. Ecotech, which I think is uh, the most noble. So, so tell me about this plan. So, are we literally just building a, a wall, like a, like a land moat around Miami? Like, you know, what does that what does that really look like? What what happens when a storm comes around and storm surge happens? And you know, do we get? Do we, are we just building ourselves into like a New Orleans situation, or is it is it more sustainable than that? Sure. So the way that cities have addressed rising sea levels and flooding for a century has been the same, like has not been disrupted. And that's with conventional seawalls. So I'm sure you've seen them around the city. It's like these big cement flat walls. Mm-hmm. You know, usually they're in the water, halfway in the water, halfway out. Sometimes they're retaining walls so they can actually be along the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, that it's very, very expensive. That's the first problem. It's like $2,000 per foot. So it's cost prohibitive in, in many, many areas. Uh, second, it's very slow to construct. It only lasts 30 to 40 years. But most importantly, it has a very negative impact on uh, biodiversity. So after you install one of these flat cement walls, 50% of biodiversity leaves. And then all of the toxin eaters go with them. So the quality of the water is also reduced. So we are disrupting the seawall design. And uh, first of all, we're using 3D printing to create these seawalls. So it's exponentially cheaper. It's exponentially faster. And we have freedom of design. So our robot doesn't care if the seawall is flat or if it's shaped like, you know, a heart, like my face. So we are shaping them like coral reefs and mangrove roots. So it becomes a host. Instead of instead of biodiversity leaving, now it, it acts like a coral reef. So the biodiversity actually leaves, lives on the wall, and then the toxin feeders are eating all of the toxins, and the quality of the water is improved dramatically. And 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 tox- you said toxin feeders or toxin eaters? Toxin eaters. Eaters. Thank eaters. You. <laughs> well, and that's and that's what you're doing. Uh, toxin eating, uh, being the seaweed. You know, aside from getting the fish high, do you, you, you think that we can actually? Uh, not only sequester carbon, but no one got that joke. I just slipped that in there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Daniel will laugh. And uh, and um, so yeah, that, you're actually going to eat the toxins. The seaweed mm-hmm. is just going to gobble up all these things. That um, yeah. So how are you? Uh, yeah. No, no. Oh, the you. seaweed literally biostimulates all of those nutrients, all the toxins, everything in the water into its biomass, and takes it out of, out of the water and cleans up the water. And what I think is genius about your seawall idea is. Coral reefs along Florida have now been decimated by 95 to 99%. So they're basically not there anymore. And they're structure, structurally insignificant. So by this, 
you're actually bringing back the structure that all these species need in order to survive, which is absolutely genius, might I just say. Thank you, Kavir. Seriously. Thank you. That we're talking about maybe we can make some walls out of seaweed. No, I think there's a p- lots of potential room for collaboration here. Well, that yeah. is the point of the Seaworthy Collective. Bring it under about. one roof. And you were also doing it's not just uh, it's not just the sea walls. You said you're going to embed sensors in it so you can kind of predict certain things. Maybe you can predict a red tide coming and then call Kabir in with a mountain of seaweed. Is it, so is that is that what the plan <laughs> looks like? Exactly. I have an idea to fix that too. So do you have any in place that you've been testing and that you can share with us? Sure. So our robot manufacturer is in the Netherlands, and they've done a lot of innovation because they're at at a very low uh, um, elevation. So uh, um, they're right at sea level like Miami. So uh, they're doing the samples of the seawalls for us, and our R&D partner is University of Miami. So we'll be testing those samples. They have this incredible lab. You guys have to see it. It's like a giant pool and a big jet engine, and they simulate Category 5 hurricanes. So it can really accelerate, you know, the, the impact on the seawalls. So for now, we're printing the samples in the Netherlands. We'll be testing them at UM. But we're fundraising. As soon as we finish this round, the robots are coming here, and we're looking for warehouses in Wynwood, actually. What's the time frame on that test that you run to, to discover, you know, if it's viable? If it... Well, because it's accelerated through their lab, it, it can be done in just a few days. Yes. Wow, that's, mm-hmm. that's great. We're lucky to have that in Miami. There's very few labs like this. And then where would be like the first seawall installation? So we're working towards a pilot project with the city. So by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but the city right now is planning a 10-mile seawall across our city. Have you heard about this? I think the mayor mentioned that, but you know, these days it's tough to know if mm-hmm. they're just mentioning things or if we're actually working on them. No, no, it's real. It's going to be across Brickell, Bayside, and along Biscayne Boulevard, 15 feet of right now the plan is like flat cement wall. Like cutting our city in half. So, have you responded to like a government RFP to? to so they're not there yet. Right now, they're uh, they're presenting it to Congress to get the budget. It's like seven billion dollars for ten miles of a seawall. Mm-hmm. And then wow. it's the design phase. So we really want to prove the concept and the economics as quickly as possible with our pilot project and our private projects, so we can present alternative solutions that are better for the environment, more beautiful for our city, and more economical for the taxpayers. Yeah. Well, if you can prove it, and then and then it's a lot less money, you win the bid. Yeah. Would that even work? The the their their plan. It will work, but such a high cost. Okay, and it's also unsustainable. I'm assuming. Of course, right. Yeah. Okay. So this is good. I didn't. I had no idea it was actually a real thing. So Ed and I didn't even look into it. So it's good that we're we're understanding this here now. So if this moves forward, what does that mean? Where else are you putting these in place? How do how how do we begin to to say spread that through Florida that needs it so much? Sure. So, we, so our first phase is doing private projects, so people's houses that live on the, the coast, mm-hmm. obviously. Again, like to keep Biscayne and like yeah. yes, of course. I mean, there's uh, in in Florida, the Army Corps of Engineers did a report of how many seawalls they have to construct in the next twenty years, and it's outrageous. Like nationally, they're planning to spend four hundred billion dollars on fifty thousand miles of seawalls, and Florida by far is number one. 
the next 20 years, we'll be spending $70 billion on seawalls, 9,000 miles of seawalls on the coast and the canals. So so, we are, so we're starting in Florida with the private projects, then moving to government projects. Mm. But the plan is to go global as quickly as possible because there are 500 city, 507 cities worldwide at risk from rising sea levels. And in most of those cities, seawalls are totally cost prohibitive, conventional seawalls. So they're planning to relocate entire coastal communities inland. So if we can offer a solution that's half the price and great for the environment and save you know, a big portion of those cities, that would be a huge achievement so, for us. So that was my question. It literally is half the price. Like you, like, you know, that's adjust it, adjusted for that, that's the goal. Because obviously, you know, your first couple are going to be more expensive because you haven't like hit scale. But you, you've kind of modeled it out, and then you're using little robots to do it, where I imagine most seawalls, you know, you said it's just concrete, and that's, you so, know, simple. So we're still using concrete material, but we have additives. One additive prevents the concrete from leaching or, like, leaking into the water, which is great for biodiversity. And the second additive is to reinforce it. Instead of using rebar, we're using recycled marine, uh, marine plastics. Okay. So there's some innovation in the, in, the, in the material. And the robots, one is a gantry. So it's like it's like a, a system that's indoors, like I said, a warehouse in Wynwood, hopefully. And it runs 24-7. So we have a lot of efficiency. So we can print a lot of these panels. And the second type of robot is a robotic arm, which literally arrives at your house. And we do the cap, the top of the seawall. We can do it in one day in your backyard. And then the robot leaves. So, so it's have, like a prefab option and then one that does it like on site. Exactly. So that, depending on the scale, I imagine. Exactly. So you say you literally have a robot, like you know, I have, I have, I live on on freshwater, and and one of my neighbors needs a seawall, and you're saying a robot would would come in and like walk around like a complex, because my friend I'm thinking of has kind of a a rounded backyard, like kind of like you know 90 degrees, so it does the whole thing. You said it caps it. What's the, what is capping it exactly? So a seawall system is usually the seawall panel, which has the ecological design, and then the top portion you can walk on. I'm sure you've seen it. It's called okay, a yeah. cap. So 70% of houses in Florida have a healthy seawall right now, but they have to raise the cap because they're being flooded or because of building codes. Mm. So that's something we can do very easily. It's actually our MVP with this robotic arm. And they can even use like lighter scanning technology on your iPhone to scan your current seawall. Then we program the cap raise, and the robot arrives and does the installation very, this very is quickly. Tech. I know this is the first time that I really think that the I always like having just audio, uh, but I really think I would love some visuals to go along with this. So you I'll send make, you some pics. Yeah, you make sure. Yeah, you got to make sure because I want to know what this mangrove, this mangrove seawall looks like. So and we have what, a website on our website, addition a d d i t i o n dot ink i n k like like printer ink. So you yeah. said you're in a you're, you're you're funding right now. You're getting more funding. So what where are you on that stage? We literally just started like this week. This is it. This is our big launch. Yeah, a fundraising. But there's so much interest around this, like around Miami Tech. It's such a great place, such a great time, and uh, around Blue Tech. So I feel like we're really we're really having a lot of traction, and I'm very confident that we can raise quickly. Good. Yeah. We hope we can continue to amplify that, and I'm really excited for this cohort and what you guys are going to be able to do together as a team. Which brings me to you, uh, Kabir. Tell us a little bit more because I, I, I think Daniel explained and you explained it a little earlier, mm-hmm. but the scale in which this can help and it sounds so simple. Yeah, so it's painfully isn't simple. It, isn't honestly. it when it's literally planting? I was seaweed. like, oh, I actually understand this. And then, <laughs> so, tell us a little bit more. Explain it in detail. How did you come up with this? You know, where did this process begin for you to get you 
working on this specific project right now? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I was actually in India a couple of months ago for a job. And I had actually met, out of the blue, decided to meet up with this company that was growing seaweed and making all these cool products out of it. I had one chat with him and I went home and I was talking to my mom on the way home and I realized this is literally the future of ocean sustainability and reversing climate change. And so with this project, um, it's literally as simple as planting seaweed. Yeah, so right now we've literally just met the um, the, the other founders. The other, So we've assembled the team last week and we're going to decide our business plans in the next couple of weeks. But what I would re- honestly really like to do is the city just allocated, I believe, $20 million to clean up this game bay. And so I'd like to utilize that funding uh, instead of investors. That way, you know, you're worried about equity and things get complicated and build up a prototype to clean up seaweed. I think I'm thinking about localizing them at the sources of where all the nutrient runoff is coming from. So I'm thinking the canals and it's literally a natural filter for the water. And so the thing with Biscayne Bay right now, guys, is that it's 2021 and already half of the way, half of the year in more manatees have died than any other year. The fish kills are insane. Even the seagrass, which is the bedrock of this ecosystem, is also dying due to Mm -hmm. dredging, too too many nutrients in the water. It's too hot. It's too saline. It's honestly an environmental catastrophe already, and it's a, a, a disaster film waiting to happen. And so what we need to do is better treat the sewage runoff, better treat the septic tanks, um, and I also have one of the other cool things about seaweed is that you can turn it into a lot of these value added products. So you can create a healthy fish meal out of it. You can turn it into food for people. You can create what's called a biostimulant. It's like a natural fertilizer where depending on the different species, it provides different benefits to crops. And if you were to replace all the fertilizers that are causing the eutrophication and the red tide all over Florida with a biostimulant, for instance, which is another project I'm working on on the side, you could actually lower reduce the severity of those out- those outcomes by m- on a mass scale how do you eliminate them though you're saying you need to eliminate those Ugh, sounds like a lot of like a lot of work sounds like a big project for the city yeah yeah but where, i'm excited you, to get started so, i think that where i'm trying to understand where does the city begin and how what can they do to act fast and act now mm-hmm. and is there anything happening that maybe we don't know publicly that isn't trending that we need to be discussing that we should be amplifying instead? Mm-hmm. And both of you, if there's any yeah, projects have, that you've heard. No, I have it. I think the bottleneck of innovation now with marine construction and seawall specifically is building codes. Mm-hmm. It is outrageously mm. inefficient, bureaucratic, and it can take up to a year to get the yeah, codes. Yeah, Florida, mm-hmm. along with New York and California, have one of the toughest building codes. Yeah. And, and now with Surfside, I'm sure yeah. that, I'm sure, however slow it was, it's going to get slower because now they have like a legitimate fire on their hands to make sure buildings don't fall. So, Yeah, but no, we have a fantastic governor, fantastic mayor. And if there's ever a time to innovate and open up building codes, for, you know, it, it is now. And also we're facing this rising sea level challenge, which we have never faced such a big challenge before at this scale. So I really think there's a small window of opportunity to have some influence to make changes. Mm-hmm. And it's the, same, it's the same problem for seaweed, actually. I think we have the same issue is that the biggest thing getting the way of seaweed farming right now is actually permitting. Getting the mm-hmm. permit through. Oh, underst- I hate that word. Yeah, yeah, that's literally it. Land yeah. of the free, and you can't, you can't, have, you can't plant some seaweed, and uh, and, see what and, and save the world. Yeah, but the spotlight is shining right now on the topic, so I think this is where we act. And 
which is why it's so exciting that this cohort has fo- has formed officially now mm-hmm. and and hopefully that you guys can help each other and by uniting I think that will speed up the process and get the city to see. I've spoken, you know, I'm on the Beacon Council and I've had discussions with many people and I bring up, you know, Seaworthy Collective and other organizations that are trying to do things and and other startups that are working on projects. And I hear that that's the focus. And I think other investment companies that are here now are also looking to invest in obviously not just education, but investing in sustainability and I'm really excited that I'm having this conversation over and this is our second uh, one on the podcast because I would have never had this before. So I think this is a time to do this now. Any other major projects that you think maybe that are in the cohort already um, that you think are going to really shine through this process and are going to move a little quicker than we expect because people kind of hear oh these are so many amazing amazing projects there are so many you know new ideas but where are they when do they begin and we because we, we forget obviously on the back end we think things happen easily but unless you're involved in the like you said permitting process and dealing with the government you don't know that it just takes forever to get there even though it's like so simple yeah i just need to put seaweed in the water <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, I might do it anyway. You never know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Dropped. I yeah. think. I think if I if I I have an, if I can answer, I think one of the greatest revolutions in blue tech that's real, that's here, is in sensor technology. Mm-hmm. Like we're adding sensors to all our seawalls, and this would have been completely cost prohibitive and impossible just two years ago, even one year ago. Because in the past, you had to have a separate sensor for each point of data that you're tracking. And then you have to build a big gauge house with like an antenna in order to transmit that data. And now all of those sensors have been combined into one. Mm. So before we're tracking like 15 data points. That would have cost us over $100,000 per seawall. So of course we could not have done it. Now we have, uh, they, we have combined all of those sensors into one which costs less than $5,000. And with 5G, all of those sensors are communicating, the seawalls are communicating with each other, with this like neural network without any gauge house or any, or any, any additional uh, infrastructure. Incredible. So you're, you've, you have a degree in law, so I can tell that you're good at this because you're able to go out there and have the conversations with the people that need to approve, you know, the process. So... How does that help you in gaining momentum, right? Because it speeds up everything because you're out there kind of lobbying for yourself, right? Yes, I think the biggest accelerator for us has been the people. I see myself, I'm just like the bus driver and I'm just getting all the right people on the bus and figuring out where we're going. But we have some fantastic advisors. So SoftBank is one of our advisors, University of Miami. And we have a retired general from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which is amazing because the Army Corps is in charge of all the federal seawall projects in the United States. So those people have really, really helped us move uh, quickly. Yeah. Has the support been greater the past couple months um, since this Miami tech has been really trending here and the moment has turned into a movement, like the mayor says? Have you felt more support? I've, we have had, I think the last year, just seeing all these amazing people moving here. We're so lucky to get their talent here. And I'm so I'm so grateful for a mayor for attracting them and creating, you know, a great environment for businesses to thrive. So that has been happening for the last year. So we have really, really seen seen this huge shift 
in the type of people that want to they're here and they want to stay and the last two months you're right has been even even more even more well, yeah. so yeah right so from the moment even softbank made their announcement that they were going to be here how lucky are we exactly so, yeah, yeah amazing and to add on to that i think this last year has honestly been one of the most important in all of in terms of setting up setting us up for success for actually saving the ocean and saving the world and i say that because so I did a ton of scientific research during my college years, last last four years. And honestly, I felt like I was diagnosing a problem, but that I wasn't fixing it. And so ocean conservation up until this point, a lot of it has just been research, 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 understanding the problem, but not really figuring out solutions. And the advantage of, I think the best thing about Seaworthy Collective is that this is we are now taking all that research and taking... Well, honestly, what what is missing from ocean conservation is entrepreneurship. And with mm-hmm. Seaworthy Collective, we're doing innovation and implementation. So we're actually doing direct action to start saving the ocean and saving ourselves. Do you feel like the Seaworthy Collective is going to make a really big impact here in South Florida? Honestly, yeah. This is just the beginning as well. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that that hasn't existed before in a state like this so seeing that happen and that there's like a cohort together i think now you guys get to unite and really make an impact like you like i said earlier there's just so much talk and then we need action Mm -hmm. and the people don't stand behind this topic enough because they don't see any real results right would you agree with that honest yeah absolutely um everyone everyone wants to help now everyone i think is really excited people with money are really excited about trying to do good by the environment, do good by their kids and their kids after that. And nobody really understands how. And with by funding entrepreneurship like this is how we actually make a direct impact. And really seeking business models that have the impact but also have the economics. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key. That's when works. you can really scale. right? Yeah, because if you were doing what you're doing but it's 3x the cost – not gonna work, you know. I yeah, mean, yeah, you can talk about biodiversity all you want, but you know, you can't you, shove it down people's throats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got to make it sustainable. You got to make it. You know, you want to be able to raise a round of funding, but then after that, you want to kind of leave the capital markets behind and just rely on your own revenue. So yeah, I, I think that was also real key to to seaworthy as well. Yeah, climate change is a massive business opportunity, and if we can create sustainable business models where where profitability is directly correlated with positive environmental impact, then we're going to do fine. Mm -hmm. We'll be just fine. I do think we need to have a bit of a credit system because even though a lot of these things might not be, uh, you know, we're we're all paying a debt uh, to this future, to this future impending doom, you know, that we all, like rising sea levels, like just the overall temperature, you know, crop death. We're all paying a debt towards that. Like, and we're all living kind of like scot-free. We're just, you know, putting it on loan and, you know, interest is building. So I think that we need some kind of credit system uh, where to kind of cut you guys a little break, uh, but also, you know, you still need to show where you guys are at. I, I, oh, oh, oh. No, go, go, go for it. I, I was just curious, like, you know, people always want to be a part of the difference but they don't know what to do. So, you know, you'll go out and you'll clean a beach. You you know, you'll go out and you, you'll recycle in your house, whatever it is that, that you can do that you think makes a difference on your point. And so it's just, it's just a minor difference, but people feel good about it. Being how, how does someone say, hey, I want to be a part of your project? Like, how does how does like the community get involved? And it just doesn't come from this cohort. You know, how do we get the community to raise their like voice and raise their hand and say, like, I want to be a part of this? Because the conversation that we had with Daniel was we need to popularize the topic. 
mm-hmm. enough and not just say, oh, yeah, sustainability, sustainability. Like, and, and, you know, I talked to him about architecture and design. We've been talking about it for years. We implement it in our buildings. We have lead design. And it's just now it's kind of old. It's become old news, right? Because yeah. nothing major has really come of it. And we just everyone it, it's, it's also very it's become very political. Mm hmm. You're either for it or you're not for it. You don't believe in in it or you do. So how do we get people involved and interested? I would say people coming out and supporting us once our prototypes are ready. Um, it doesn't even have to be with money. You just show up and say you're in support of this. Tell that to your local government officials. It's really cool you brought up the uh, the idea about beach cleanups. Like There are 150 million metric tons of plastic going to the ocean every single year. And cleaning up a beach, does that actually make an impact uh, in terms of that, absolutely not. But it brings people together and it raises awareness. And from that stems anything, innovation, entrepreneurship. People learn about those issues and have a desire to get involved. So come out and support us once we get our stuff going. We'd really appreciate that. And we're hiring. So, see, there yeah, you go. we're not even sure exactly like who we're hiring. We're open to anyone <laughs> who thinks they can be helpful. Of course, like any kind of like marine engineers, bio, uh, um, any, anybody in. Um, well, really, anybody just 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 uh, contact us because it's it's just such it's such a conver- it's a convergence of such different areas of technology that we're really excited to hear you know and have people from all kinds of backgrounds and have different perspectives on our team. So, yeah, it's 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 been an interesting process finding them. Yeah, and, and that's been the focus right now is gaining more talent here or like not gaining. We have a lot of existing talent, but raising it, and maybe now that this you know, cohort has started and that, you know, the Seaworthy Collective is here, we're going to focus, okay, our students that are here are going to say, hey, I can go study this here. That's going to be like what I want to go and work. And this is my focus. That's amazing because what what is happening here is going to gain that attention. And we had um, uh, Emil on the episode and he was talking about, you know, focusing on a tech, on specific tech, and saying, Mm -hmm. hey, the focus for Florida should be X, Y, and Z. And one of them was, let's say we're going to do sustainability, whether it's, you know, blue chip, whatever we want to focus on, it should be Florida's go-to because this is where we have the most opportunity to do so. So I'm really excited for the talent that's to come. Uh, You know, when people see that this is happening, when the younger generation sees opportunity, they're going to want to stay. They're going to want to study here. And so it's really exciting because that means new programs are going to surface. And so I really look forward to that. So I'm sure you're going to find amazing talent. Um, What should people be studying? Like, like what is your, you know, if if you're going to hire someone, what did they spend the last five years doing? Well, honestly, I heard that. You should just study whatever you're passionate about, and then you and then and then yeah. with that you actually you learn yeah, the skills that. I assume that wasn't from your shot. Indian yeah. parents. No, no, absolutely not. So I learned that when I came here. Yeah. Yeah, but what if like I'm passionate about golf and like that's not going to help me, you know, like you know, regenerate the ocean? Like, what are those? What are those things that like? Yeah, follow your passion, but you know, what is what what would be like use? You should always follow your passion, uh, but what what would be useful to to well, you Chris, guys? Well, Chris, like if you have an interest in making a greater difference and you're focused on you know ocean conservation or just sustainability as a whole right and you don't know what to do where to go from there because it happens to a lot right like to everyone all of us and we're like where do we even begin and there's always that fear is it going to make me money like obviously some of us still have that kind of past generational pressure um but if they were interested where would you say you can begin 
I think technology is the future. I mean, we're applying technological solutions to every global problem. So anything to do with with data, with coding, with AI, I mean, if I was to go back to school now, that's exactly what I would be doing. And I think it's very difficult for people who are already working to retrain. Mm-hmm. So it's really up to the younger generation to come out of school and get started immediately. We need them. What's also really exciting is that, like, you know, when you're a kid, a lot of people, almost everyone wants to be a marine biologist, right? You look at the ocean, you look at marine animals, it's like, all right, this is the life. And then we get all these young kids trained, like myself, trained four years, studying marine biology at school, and they want to save the ocean, but all they all they can really do is either go into academia or go into education. And they're all, like, 40 to 60K jobs, and you're not, it doesn't really feel like you're making an impact after all that hard work. So with this ocean entrepreneurship, we're bringing the business sector into climate change and into the ocean. So literally, because we're bringing in all these businesses, whatever you're studying, so marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, um, if you want to be a, become a lawyer, all these skills will be necessary in all these businesses. So. Yeah. yeah, I think my, my cousin's boyfriend studied marine biology and we always kind of make fun of him a little bit. And it's only because he doesn't do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. He actually does something completely different. He makes sauce and he works in California. So it's I, we always laugh about it because he's like, I left you know Florida. I wasn't making a lot of money doing it, but I loved it. And he dived and just it was passion for him. But there wasn't just a lot of money to make in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, career opportunity came for my cousin and, and they're together. So he's like, I have to go and give this up, which is OK, because maybe there'll be new opportunity. So note for for future generation to know that there is opportunity coming. Focus in tech. Yes, tech is going to be it's everything. Like you said, every, I, every time I hear someone say, oh, I don't work in tech. I'm like, you do. Everything is tech. It's all around us. Everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really excited for what's to come before. You know, I, I have another question I want to ask you guys, like what major obstacles are in your way to, you know, find success within this, you know, cohort and, and what you're doing here in South Florida? Biggest obstacle, I would say, is just the, the permitting. Yeah. To same, actually expand same. seabed farming. Come on, guys. Because everything else on the local government is your biggest obstacle. Yes. I'm not surprised. (laughs) Really? So we could get their help sooner rather than later. I know that Mm -hmm. legislative processes take time, but we don't have time for climate change. How about just a list of names? Do you have a list of names of these people? Like a kill list? (laughs) I'm talking to them right now. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, so whatever, yeah, let's figure out what we can do. Let's yeah, that's it. interesting because I'd be I'd be curious to know what can be done. Yeah, if we are waiting for permits, how do you? We have to change the whole process, ex- right? Process, the process exactly. needs to completely change. If it's if this is what we're waiting for, and we finally have solutions, and then you hear these panels and you're on these calls. At least I am. I like to listen to the mirror and and everything that they're they're having a discussion on. And we want to do this, and we want to do that, and we're ready to support, and we have money to do this. Hey, we have the solution now. Get us through the door. We have now. We have to wait through all these permits, all this process. Yeah. Well, how long is the process? Like, that's insane. I mean, I, I think, like, to change the process, to even get something done is a long process. I feel like a part of the process should just be, okay, we needed to have a couple emergencies if we can shine the light on the right things. And we just, all right, let's just, you know, push these through. Uh, because, you know, I mean, at some point, like, you know, friction, you know, especially in user experience design, you want to create friction in, in some ways. Like, try to unsubscribe from 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 something. Like, there's some, there's friction in there, and it's built in. And it's, you know, and, and that's that's kind of almost a dark pattern way. But, you know, friction being built in, like, you know, they, you want to give people some time to cool off or, or whatever they're thinking. But, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely going to be something we're going to talk about later. How can we how can we help 
just you know get eyes on this project and see if we can just get a hall pass through through part of the part of this that's definitely because we're, we're we're trying to help here we're, we're not just like having you guys on you know so we can all just say mm, look at this cool studio we're in you know we're we're trying to push these things through we got a lot of when daniel Kleiman came on and uh, and tara you know that we got a lot of great feedback and you know because people do feel like they want to help and they even even like you said how can you help just show up even don't donate just you know just just, well, just clearly show up. this is not our area of expertise we don't know what we're talking about here we're, no. we're learning and i think that we need to open the doors for that and we had that discussion with Daniel that sometimes it can become very clicky and just because we don't know enough about this topic that we can't share this conversation with you and that's really our, our, our goal here on this podcast is to like bring educate people um, in tech really honestly in tech and what's around us and what opportunities we have here in South Florida in Miami specifically and how we can expand and support so we want the city to grow. We want it to grow sustainably, though, right? We want it. We want to become a good, a, a tech ecosystem that can last, and that ten years from now we can look back and say we built this from the ground up. And part of lasting is staying above sea level. So, <laughs> you guys are you guys are pretty crucial to that. Otherwise, we're going to be New Venice in. Uh, well, look in at the real estate right years. now. I know, I know. If I they know. keep buying and buying and buying and buying, what's going to happen to your property? What's that investment looking like? So you need to invest here for that investment to be long-lasting, right? To be a mm-hmm. real investment long-term. Yeah, but you gave the you know the, the, the twenty one hundred being like the kind of the the drop dead date, but then you know less less bad consequences. The Daily next 20 floods. Years. Daily floods in the, in by twenty forty. That's pretty serious. I mean, we, don't we already have that? I mean, okay. I drive through Miami all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my building, I, I'm on the beach, like Washington 19th around there, and the the parking area is almost always flooded. Is it salt water? I don't, I don't want to know what it is. Like, it looks gross. It's it's like coming right from the sewer. It's just, ugh. It, and it's always flooded. And I'm like, why? Like, you know, your HOA is high. The city, it's city of Miami Beach. You're... Like, where's my money going? Like, and I just, I get upset every time. And I'm like, I want to sue them because it's ruining my car. It's ruining my shoes. I just want to complain about something, like, to see if, like, someone will hear me. And I'm like, they're not going to care. Everything else is, like, you know, getting flooded everywhere else. But, you know, living on the beach. And I'm like, oh, how long? You know, I always think of it something not permanent. It's very temporary because, you know, this I'm young. I'm enjoying it now. But later on in life, I don't know that I want to be there. Maybe I want to come back to the beach as a retirement kind of thing. But I know that I'm not going to spend my life there, which is kind of sad because then you know, like, oh, this is going to be underwater soon. So I'm like, it's okay. I'm going to leave by the time that it's underwater. It's a sad outlook, but it's reality. So I'm really excited that, you know, you guys are here and that this cohort has formed. What do you see for the future of the cohort? Like, what do you guys, you know, what's the hope of what this is? The hope is that it shifts the, the entire identity of our city. It would become this blue tech hub. For United States and really global, I think people are looking at Miami with rising sea level. Sorry, I keep talking about that's like no, uh, my please. thing. But really, Miami's either going to be an example for the rest of the world and how we handle it, or it's going to be a lesson. So we're really here, you know, to 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 make an example. And the cohort is such a big part of it because there's so many other companies like us who are doing such such important things. And like you said, it's so important for us to to uh, uh, to have a greater voice by 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 being together. Yeah, and maybe you weren't even speaking to each other before. And now you're being united to, you know, come together and say, hey, actually, what you're doing helps me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. United by the cause. Yeah, I was going to say that exactly as well is turning Miami to a blue tech hub 
because we are the U.S. city at the forefront of climate change due to rising sea levels. So it's it has to happen now. It has to be, and it has to be here. Miami hashtag blue tech. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, so I know you guys haven't met a lot of your other uh, cohort members yet. Uh, you guys just met today. Are there any other exciting ones that joined the the cohort that you guys took a look at? Like, I'm going to shout out to my boy Nick Key from Key Farms in Jamaica. He's also going to he's you doing a he's doing a seaweed operation out there. Nice. And so with Jamaica, their fishing is severely over depleted, and so a lot of those fishermen are out of a job, and they're going to be out of a job pretty soon. And so what he was telling me, I had a phone chat with him just like two days ago, is that if they be, if they become seaweed farmers in Jamaica, they're actually going to triple their income. Wow. So Hey, real quick, we, we got to get out of here kind of soon. And I really want to know, what does it, what is sustainable fe- spear fishing look like? Oh, what sustainable spear fishing. All right. So there's, so he, my passion is spear fishing here in Miami. It's breath hole diving. You hold your breath, you go down, you shoot fish. And it's extremely selective because you're only shooting what you want to take. And the way the way to go about spearfishing sustainably is most people think that if you do it, you're automatically sustainable. It's actually not true because you can go, a couple of divers can go out to a reef, hit it, and spear everything that's legal, and you've taken out all the predatory reef fish, and it's no longer sustainable, and you've ruined the whole little ecosystem. So the way to, the way to go about it is to one, follow your regulations, and two, is to be extremely selective about what you shoot. So always leave fish that are legal still behind. Only take like one or two fish per spot per species and move on. Keep moving. That way it's just a small amount here and there. And the ecosystem as a whole is still intact. Yeah, but then what if everyone does that? And then eventually you're going to run out. No, so that's why we have regulations in place. So you can okay. only shoot fish of a certain size so that, those ones, so that there are still smaller ones that are able to reproduce. Okay. All right. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. I always thought it was just shoot the lionfish. I thought that was the, because I just recently got dive certified mm-hmm. and, nice. uh, you know, and the lionfish are mean. Apparently I've seen them. They're, they're, they're like, they're, they're, they're out there and they're poisonous. You can't touch venomous, them. Venomous. 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 Yeah. Venomous. Oh, it's because they don't bite. Yeah. So venom is when it injects it into you and poison is when you inhale it or eat it. Okay. I didn't know that either. Me neither. Wow. This podcast, I always learn something. Yeah. Well, don't touch the lionfish if you don't know that. That's, <laughs> it's okay. That's I, a very good one. I won't be doing that anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much um, for having, you know, for being here today and, and being on the podcast and sharing, you know, uh, the knowledge, the breadth of knowledge that we had no idea about clearly. Um, I hope that our audience here today has gained a lot from this um, conversation. Um, if there's anything else, I, I always like to kind of close with asking you guys if there's anyone you'd recommend, you know, you'd like to see on the podcast or anything that we could do to continue to inform and, and just gain, gain an audience and as a community come together is kind of our forte here. I would love to see like real decision makers from the local government. Absolutely. Mm. That would be a really cool show. Yes, absolutely. We're getting there. Yeah. All right. All right. So why don't you get us a list of whoever's in your way, and uh, yeah, but we'll, a friendly we'll get... show, a friendly, com- very friendly We're conversation. Very friendly. Okay. <laughs> friendly. No, I want to beat him up. No, that's why <laughs> right. we have both of us. It's yeah. Two different. Yeah. yeah there good, you go. Good cop, good... bad cop. Yeah. Pretty much. Exactly. 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 And and you know, I mean, they're just human beings, and they're just doing their job. Like you know, they're probably gonna come up with their own list of things like okay well this is in my way of achieving that let's do that and maybe exactly. that will just follow the breadcrumb trail to um i don't know maybe the bad guy from loki and <laughs> then we'll finally get all the permits we need i think but, i think you're spot on about that is that everyone is everyone's a person and in the end like we look at climate change and by now we know it's real 
and we all want to do something about it. So if we if we could honestly get a conversation going with our government officials, or that we can just speed it up just a little bit, I think that'd be very productive. Yeah, that's definitely something we'd we'd like to have a conversation, you know, with some officials about, and and we're, we're, it's on our list. We're working on it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah some real absolutely. some some real decision makers, and then people that can you know their signature, you know, wields power. I think that's a good idea. Um, all right, guys. Well, thanks so much for thanks coming. So much. I thanks so much. Thanks so much. It was a blast. Guys. Yeah, you. we're gonna we're gonna pop over to a word from our sponsor, the Google Sheet. The Google Sheet is the single source of truth for all things Miami tech, art, and music. To find this Google Sheet, just go to thegooglesheet.com. That is T H E Google Sheet.com, and there you'll be redirected to an open access Google Sheet where you can view and add things happening in the South Florida area. Let's go through. We'll start from the top. I've been leaving Mondays on because uh, you know the Monday the Monday crew never gets any love. Um, we had a uh, a tech hub um, South Florida. They talk about um, the future of sports yesterday at the uh, the CIC Miami. Have, did you ever go to CIC? Do you, are you familiar with CIC, the Venture Studio, or the Venture Cafe? I didn't go, but I'm familiar. But have you guys been there before? You guys can still hang out. Yeah, that's where Seaworthy is based. Oh, for real? We're oh, yeah. Working there. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice, nice, nice. And they actually, they're so nice. They gave all of us free office space at the CIC. Really? Yeah, that's really. Incredible. Yeah, I've been really trying to, I, pre-COVID, I tried to get out to the Venture Cafe on Thursday nights, and I, I just never made it, and COVID hit. Uh, so I'm so happy to see that they're uh, they're back They're back at it again. Crypto and Cigars also happened. Um, we're playing chess. Then. I thought this was a pretty interesting thing. There are two... Uh, there are two groups going to the Oasis tonight. One is the female founders and funders. Another one is women in tech, women in tech happy hour, going from the exact same time uh, at the Oasis today. I wonder if they know of each other. together. Existence. No, it, they it, it, they basically work together. It happens in unison. It's just the different audiences that you know they're sending out an email to. But uh, it's Endeavor, and the other one is basically with Maria Darcy that she puts that together. So it, it's it's really great if you haven't been. I definitely suggest uh, it's I, it's probably like my fourth or fifth one. I'm not sure how many I've been to so far. But they do it like once a month. So you meet incredible women working on incredible projects. And so I absolutely recommend that everyone attends that. So yeah, at the Oasis, um, there's Good. two links, so you can sign up with either of them. Yeah, we'll I'm, be there. I'm glad they're coordinating because I was like, huh, look at this. Awkward. Yeah, yeah we should. No, it's all coordinated. Uh, there's also uh, building your second brain as an AI event that's happening in West Palm Beach uh, tomorrow. We got an eco uh, ecopreneur startup, a fireside chat. I think I believe that's with uh, with Tara. I want to I want to yes. say. Um, uh, there's also the the biweekly uh, welcome tech entrepreneurs at Freehold. Well, they they moved to Freehold now. They, they, they they've been they, at Freehold for a little while now. Yeah. For the last like three or so, you know. Yeah, it was logged me out for for a while. Yeah, and then they're like, okay. Uh, we we graduated to Freehold. Uh, L Jam at uh, Oak Garden is always a thing. Uh, there's a Miami Tech thing going on at Marlins Park on here on Thursday. Yeah, um, I had all intentions of going, but now I can't. Oh, because we're going because you're going to the Venture Cafe. On, yeah. Oh, what are you doing? I'm a family thing, yeah. Oh, okay. Taking a break. I can't. I I told myself I wasn't going to spend all my week on only Miami Tech events. Yeah, no, I definitely don't. And uh, I mean, I just can't get down here that often. Uh, there is two instances of karaoke going on that night, and Friday there is a Vinyl Social Club, which I uh, am a personal fan of. I think I might have popped it on the list a couple weeks ago. Uh, a track is playing at the Guitar Hotel, and then usually we only uh, do this, uh, you know, this week. Uh, but it looks like, oh, look at this! On the twenty seventh, the Seaworthy Collective's inaugural cohort launch party at uh, how do you say that? Oh yeah, La Tropical. Um, La Tropical. La Tropical. 
So I'm really honored that this is happening because the Google Sheet is still going and still it's going. awesome. And, and there's stuff happening in West Palm and there's things happening all over the city and that it's continued to, to just grow. And I'm really honored to be a part of the city and, and the growth that's happened here. So again, thank you guys. So that basically concludes our episode today, which brings right, us to so. the end. Thank you both for being on the episode. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back next week. We go live at 10 a.m. On Joe Radio. And you can find us also on everything else. I mean, like I- iTunes. Uh, what is it? Not iTunes. It's Apple Podcast and uh, mm-hmm. Spotify. The Google and one. The Google one. And like whatever. Everything. We're on all of it. Find us. Thank you. Thank you.